621 on a Monday morning, two degrees outside, and it's time for the morning brief where we bring in one of our pundits to unpack the stories along with me. This morning, it's Scott Reed, former advisor to Prime Minister Paul Martin. Nice to have you, sir. Happy Monday. Happy Monday. I was in a room with former prime ministers on Saturday night. Jeffrey Latimer, the guy who does the uh, Walk of Fame, is very good at curating people. So Stephen Harper was there, probably because they just promised him that he could sit next to Paul Henderson. And Jacques came out in a Roots jacket because the Roots guy, guys were being honored and delivered one of his usual speeches where I checked out the teleprompter and he wasn't paying any attention to it. You know, I am the most famous of all the fame, and I have uh, the biggest fame in the world. They say to me, Jean Chrétien, is famous. That would probably <laughs> have been some sliver of his speech. Um, he usually draws a spotlight to himself. Yeah, but he's good at it. He always has been. Okay, so listen, speaking of leaders, Bonnie Crombie was crowned on Saturday. She'll be in our studios this morning. But this is not going to be an easy job. Probably winning it was the easiest thing she's done in a while. Yeah, and that wasn't simple. So, <clears throat> listen, politics is not a job for people who are looking for uh, their weekends off and uh, and and long leisurely evenings. Uh, she knows that. But what Bonnie Crombie gives the Ontario Liberal Party is a shot, and that's pretty much all you can ask for uh, coming out of the blocks. A shot at fighting their way back to relevance, maybe a shot at something better. I heard you before the break, and I don't agree with you. You don't, if you're Bonnie Crombie, you don't aim to be a, the leader of the official opposition. You lead the Ontario Liberal Party, which is a long tradition of governing in this province. You know, it's the old saying about uh, Wayne Gretzky. How did he get uh, over 200 points in one season? He was going for 300. So you gun for government. And she gives them a legitimate claim of that possibility, notwithstanding where they stand, because she's a 905 mayor. She's got a following. She's been elected at the federal and municipal level. She has profile. And so, you know, none of that is a guarantee of success, but she gives them a shot. And that will put a little hope and a little spring in the step of Ontario Liberals. All right. How, what, what do you suppose the first thing she does is? And she's probably already done it because I imagine she was pretty busy yesterday. Uh, the first thing is whatever surplus she has left over from her uh, leadership campaign, she transferred to the party to, to help bolster its finances. And, you know, there's a million things you have to do. But now that the party has as a basic ingredient a leader who is electable, not will be elected, but is electable, the next thing she needs to concentrate on right away is finances. These are preconditions to success. Money doesn't mean you will win, but an absence of money almost dooms you to certain failure. Meanwhile, conspiracy theories, apparently a goodly number of us believe in them from, uh, you know, the anti-vaxxers to the Kennedy assassination, the moon landing, but perhaps most worrisome, a very large portion of Canadians and Americans believe that the media manipulate the truth and that everybody's being misled. Yeah, not all these things are created equal, right? So when people say, well, you know, 7% of people think that Elvis has a car dealership in Brampton and 11% of people think that the moon landing was faked by Stanley Kubrick, that's that's one kind of thing. That's kind of hilarious, ha-ha, chuckle, chuckle. But <laughs> what we're seeing here when we talk about, you know, uh, an increasing share, a substantial share of the population believe that the media are, um, you know, in on some grand fix, um, you know, that... 
that's something else. That is something that's been procured. Um, that is a function of the Facebookization of our politics. It's a function of uh, the anger and uh, angry populism that uh, targets elites, establishments, and institutions. So th- these things aren't the same. Um, you know, if I told you I believed in Locke Ness, you would be like, well, that's kind of quirky. If I told you that I believe the media are out to elect, uh, you know, uh, liberal elites, um, then you'd walk away and say, hmm, okay, so that person's different. One of these things is funny. One of these things is fundamentally an erosion of our democratic institutions. So, you know, I, I don't I don't look at them the same. Yeah, no, I would agree. And when it comes to the media business, of course, immediately uh, we'll be accused, me more than you possibly, that, uh, oh, well, look at you having to give up your privilege and you lie about this and lie about that. No, it's actually, this was cultivated over a period of about 30 years, starting with Rush Limbaugh. It was cultivated, the idea that you couldn't trust the New York Times, for example. And that was so those people could actually offer you things that were not true. And when it was pointed out they were not true in mainstream media, they could merely say that's because the mainstream media is lying to you. And that's how we get to election denial and, uh, you know, the 6th of January. And that's why I say it's, it, it inevitably builds to a place that is a, that is a threat against uh, democracy itself, which sounds highfalutin and overblown, but it's not. Because when you look at January 6th, I mean, because you look at... The, um, a trend where people say, well, unless the person I wanted to win wins, then that must be evidence uh, that the election was corrupt and everything is rigged. And, you know, where it, uh, I, I mean, you trace the history of it. I'll just add w- one thing further. There is, uh, there is also a profit motive here, which is that people, once you persuade people that all media is biased, well, then that gives you permission to run for-profit biased media, and so when people say, "Well, we've never seen more media than ever," you know, look at all the look at all the podcasts, look at all the websites, look at all the online media. Yeah, but those people don't operate according to established uh, editorial standards, which sure sometimes fail, but they don't exist at all. There's no pretense that they exist at all. The only motive, the only focus, is a political and profit agenda, and that's dangerous. That is not something that is going to help our democracy, that's something that's going to undermine it. So what do you make of the mayor of Moncton neglecting to take the menorah out of storage this year for Hanukkah and arguing it's because government's not supposed to have religion? Yeah, you know, I know, like, I know about as much of this story as as I read, so you kind of go, well, I'm reluctant to jump in with both hobnail boots, but I'm going to jump in with hobnail boots. Um, it's garbage. It's complete garbage. And, you know, there's no shortage of Christian symbols, um, no shortage of, um, uh, you know, of, of, of angels and, uh, and references to God and so on and so forth. So those institutions, those religious institutions and symbols are permiss- permissible. And, you know, happening in the midst of, you know, rising anti-Semitism, the war in the Middle East, it just sends the worst possible signal. I wonder if part of the motivation is someone said to him, you know, hey, listen, you know, it's going to get hairy out there. Maybe not a good idea out of the menorah. It's going to be a, a focus of attack. Or maybe you've got uh, people in and around the decision makers there saying, yeah, no, you know, Judaism, it seems kind of 
divisive, um, you know, which in effect is anti-Semitism of its own sort. So whatever the rationale, the decision is wrong and it ought to be reversed. Although I suspect you're right that in all likelihood, that this is not about separation of church and state and stuff like that. It's about the fact that the mayor is worried if you put up a, a Jewish symbol, somebody's going to vandalize it. So maybe this year it stays in storage. Um, one more question for you. Would your relationship pass the orange peel? Test. Apparently, this is all the rage on the internet, and the whole idea is you turn to your partner and say, "Peel me an orange," and their reaction defines your relationship. Yeah, I remember this when it was the "Will you drop somebody off at the airport?" test, and <laughs> you know, I hate all of these things as a tremendously selfish only child who has, uh, you know, methodically ruined every uh, adult relationship he's ever tried to engage. Um, I don't like these tests. I don't like that these tests exist and they get shared. Um, but by the way, I would, I, I, I would unquestioningly peel anyone's orange. It just seems like the polite thing to do. Somebody sort of threw it over at you, you go, oh, they must be having trouble getting the orange peeled. So who wouldn't do that? Isn't that just a basic human impulse? I think so. But, you know, some people might be irked, like peel your own freaking. But it's not moving a piano. So and the, you know what? The whole thing about driving to the airport cracks me up because years ago now I turned to my then roommate and said, can you drive me to the airport? And he said, I don't believe in that. <laughs> and I've never asked anybody since. Same thing as helping someone move. Around 24, my friendship became a no, not moving you zone. Right around the time I finally left undergraduate life, it's like I'm never moving anybody again as long as I live. Uh, get a loan and hire a moving company. I'm not doing that. <laughs> Thanks a lot. Good to have you this morning. That's Scott Reed on The Morning Brief. More politics at 6.50. Thomas Mulcair always joins us for Mulcair Mondays, and there's plenty to talk about, including Pierre Polyev's I wouldn't say charm offensive, uh, but, you know, he was doing the media rounds on Friday. He appeared on Jerry Agar's show, and we'll find out if anybody thinks he's making inroads. Right now, it's 6.30.